Welcome to a brand new episode of the Internet's Most Hated Mafia-Themed Geek Podcast. The Long Coat Mafia Podcast is I, the Reverend Godfather, a.k.a. the Martinsburg Madman, a.k.a. this show's main host and frontman. As you probably saw, this is an anniversary episode. You're like, what the hell? It is a Tuesday. This shouldn't be here right now. And you're right. It is a Tuesday. And you're also correct to ask questions, so forth and so on, in regards to why. The main reason is the fact that Sasha, the Princess of Darkness's schedule, has changed for the summer. And because of that change, we have to adjust here on our end how we post stuff up. So, (laughs) therefore, you have what you have right now. So, before we get into the rest of the introduction, there's a... uh, (laughs) Thing we have to go over before we go over in regards to the anniversary stuff and that is we kind of sort of have a partnership with a energy energy drink company and that's right uh that partnership is with w energy and it's spelled d-u-b-b-y they're willing to partner up with us and take a chance with us they're not really giving us a a funds in a way it's kind of like when you guys purchase stuff using our code, we kind of get a benefit of that. So if you want to try W Energy, Energy, you're more than willing to go to their website at w.gg, that's D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G, and at checkout, use our code LCMP Podcast. you'll get 10% off your order plus you benefit you help us here at the long coat mafia podcast to keep things free and you won't have to hear us annoy you in regards to our crowdfunding aspects to offset costs speaking of which we're since our crowdfund crowdfunding is in its death throes we're still doing it we only had one donors so far in regards to everything if you want to help us out link is in the description down below including the link for dubby energy drink so if you want to do all that please do so uh if you want to support us by buying some energy mixture energy drink like g pretty much dubby's like energy uh g fuel and monster and all that so if you want to help us that route by buying some energy drinks, you're more than willing to do so. If you want to help us by dropping a couple of bucks in our crowdfunding aspects, you're more than willing to do so. If you can't afford either, you're more than willing to do so by helping uh, by subscribing to us, sharing this podcast, sharing our YouTube stuff. All the links are in the description down below. So now to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. This episode was put out, in, I think, late November or like almost December 2015. It covers a kind of a pop culture show, if you want to call it that, that was held at the local mall here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Uh, let me put it like this. They were this, I kind of go into, uh, you know what? 
Later this week, I'll put up that episode that kind of goes into what happened between uh, like mid October to that hostful. So uh, it'll ex- also kind of explain things and what went on and that whole ordeal. But what happened with this mall based pop culture show? Uh, I approached them if it was okay. This is when I was like green, like uber green. And I I pretty much didn't have the attitude of, fuck it, I'll cover it. And the, I contacted and was like, hey, is, uh, I thought I might need a press pass or something like that. Because I didn't know how they were working it. I contacted them and they were like, uh, you're not, pretty much had the air of awesome con of you're too small you're too new we don't want to know you we can't do that uh we don't want you to take photos we don't want you to take live we need if you record anything because if you record anything we have to get it approved by all our stores if you do and come to find out not to mention the mall's policy was you couldn't take photo they're having an event where there's going to be cosplayers YouTubers and pretty much an actor there taking have the people who are attending take pictures or record and they <laughs> they don't want people doing that uh, and the thing is I'm like alright whatever so I talked to a buddy of mine who was not not the man a different buddy a work buddy, nine to five buddy, and who was a him, he himself was a former cop, Berkeley County police officer. He wasn't a county sheriff or state cop or a he was a Martinsburg police department. And he said, "Dude, you're you're on quasi uh, public property. You're allowed to record audio." This is, again, before I knew West Virginia was a first-party state, and I would have been allowed that, not to mention when you looked at the uh, the mall rules and regulations that they had posted up, it said, it said those rules, if I remember correctly, said you were not allowed to record video or, or take photos. It said nothing about completely doing audio. And all I had with me was a digital audio recorder that I got from Radio Shack. It was not at all recording video and i recorded the youtuber that was there he uh i recorded the actor that they had and i was recording an interview with the 501st when the folks at the mall came over to me and threatened to call the cops on me and have me tossed out because i was quote unquote live streaming in their mall with a audio recording device. And when I told them, dude, I'm allowed to record. This is a quasi-public property when you're open. They're like, no, you can't do that. Our, our source, I'm like, for one, you do realize JC, somebody who works for Sears Corporate could walk into this JC Penny store and jot down how they have their shit set up. And take it back. You ain't protecting shit. And not to mention the person that they had, who claimed to be this their their uh, media person, their advertising person, they're in charge of everything. Uh, he went. We're talking about a person that went from 
being the promotions coordinator or their uh, advertising and promotions coordinator or an event coordinator for first it was uh, like Coca-Cola. Then it was Xfinity. Then it was, you know, it kept going down. Then it was like, it went all the way down to a local mall in the West Virginia panhandle. So in essence, this guy pretty much went from a six-figure income to probably a low to mid five-figure income in order and maybe two years later the mall closed down because that mall was pretty much a dead mall and since this was the second event that we kind of covered in the span of a month the first being four state slasher con what we did for that one was pretty much one panel we've shared that panel before i think it's still in our catalog here on the outlets meaning itunes spotify google podcasts and so forth and so on you could still find it on Podbean and all that. Uh, all we did was a mess of interviews and so forth and so on. And if you want to hear some of those, me re-air those interviews and that first panel we did, you're more than willing to ask us uh, by leaving, uh, emailing us at longcoatmafia at gmail.com or leaving a, us a comment on Podbean or on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the Long Coat Mafia podcast, or uh, on Instagram or Twitter, along that, all the links are in the bio. Um, just feel free to do so. I'll be happy to share them for you and do more uh, shared episodes or as a request. But since this one, we got three basic interviews. Uh, is forty five minutes long total. Uh, I think you guys and gals will enjoy it. The first one is the YouTuber. His name is Matt. I think he went by Matt345 or something like that. Or uh, uh, 365 or something like that. Uh, either way, Matt is no longer on YouTube. Uh, his channel might still be up on YouTube. But since how over the years, YouTube changed its policies in regards to what folks can release towards kids or what YouTube deems child-friendly. Uh, it makes a lot of things very, very weird in regards to what you put up. And therefore, he I think he left YouTube or left making content for YouTube and started making content for like TikTok and Instagram and a couple other outlets. So uh, check him out. Um, I don't have his link information here or I've kind of lost touch and uh, communication with Matt over the years. As a matter of fact, this was the only interview I've done with him. Um, so if you want me to dig into where to find Matt, again, please let me know. The other interview that we got was with the late actor, uh, Conrad Brooks, who passed away maybe about four years ago, uh, sadly. Conrad Brooks uh, did a lot of horror movies way back in the day. I kind of explained it in this in this little episode, and we'll go into that. Uh, like I said, uh, going to uh, uh, who Conrad Brooks is. You, not to mention Conrad Brooks did a whole mess of independent uh, movies himself, along with many other folks. So, and plus, I interviewed the Five O First for the I think for the first time at this event so here it is 
George, cue the music. We'll be right back with more of the Long Coat Mafia podcast. The Long Coat Mafia. Greetings, Goombas. Uh, it's me, the Reverend Godfather, here to introduce introduce you to several of the interviews we had um, almost a month ago. Um, but first, I'm going to give you a little disclaimer. Due to several disagreements and misunderstandings between me and the promoter of the event we went to, you're going to hear a couple of cuts in the interviews some of the interviews um each one has i think at least one cut in it uh to tell you from a show standpoint i don't like to do cuts or take remove stuff from the episodes because you're missing missing out on stuff you the listener but in this case it had to be done uh the only editing i do in reference to the shows themselves are to boost the audio so you could hear the people I'm interviewing, the people I'm speaking with, so forth and so on. Uh, but from that, from there, uh, let's continue on with the show. Uh, first up is Matt McGone. Uh, I hope, Matt, if you're listening, I hope you are. Uh, please forgive me for mispronouncing your name. He's a YouTuber. He goes on YouTube. He's known as Matt3756. Um, the link to his channel will be in the show description, but, uh, for those of you who are not checking, just search for Matt, it's spelled M-A-T-T, and it's, the number is 3756, so just search for Matt, M-A-T-T, 3756, in the YouTube search, search bar, and, uh, it'll come up with his channel, he was a great interview, um, he does a, a type of let's, I'll say this, let's play for uh, arcade machines, the skill-based machines. I'll let him explain what he does, what it's like to be a YouTuber, um, how YouTube is affecting, you know, being cutting the cable cord, um, what it's like to be a YouTuber, and let's uh, go from there and let hit, let's hear the interview. Hey Goombas, uh, I'm here kind of uh, undercover, so to speak. Um, you probably would, would be hearing our total review earlier this month at our Hostful. But right now I'm here with... Hey, what's up guys? My name's Matt Magnone, a.k.a. Matt3756. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I am a uh, YouTuber who does videos about claw machines and arcade games. You know, those claw games from like Toy Story, The Claw. Yeah, that's that's. I uh, do videos on those. I give you tips on how to win at them, how they work. We go to different arcades. We we also play ticket games. Uh, I've even been expanding my videos to mini golf, and it's just a fun, fun time we have on my channel. Um, even though you're a YouTuber, um, do you classify yourself as a let's player, like with the video game let's players, or something different? Um, 
I would say no because I'm trying to branch out a little bit from the the typical let's play video there, there's so many video game channels on YouTube I mean there, you got Minecraft channels and not downplaying them there's just so many of them that I want to come across as like a different uh, a different different genre of, yeah different type of, a new uh, thing let's, let's play or so different speak. yeah exactly so would you consider yourself a pioneer in that or one of the first few that you know of well I don't know about a pioneer but I've been signed up with YouTube actually since 2006 and that you, was would have been my next question right. how long you've been doing this. yeah so a long time but my channel didn't start as claw machine arcade it was just a hub to kind of upload all my random weird videos that i would film and and how it took off was i uploaded a tips of the claw machine video like giving tips on the game and how to win at it and i got a lot of positive feedback people were like hey your tips are working and i'm like oh this is strange <laughs> so um from there, I just kind of branched out. You know, a couple years later, uh, about around 2011 or 2012 is when it really started to get serious, and I took it full time. Uh, so, and, and and it was then when I decided to dedicate my channel uh, full time to arcade and claw machine videos. I, I with a lot of the bigger names like um, Matt Pat, and I'm not I'm just. Disting, nothing against someone like PewDiePie or something like that, or however you want to pronounce his name. Um, when was the first time you said, in essence, oh shit, this is actually becoming something? I'd probably say when I got partnered uh, with YouTube, which was actually more exclusive than it is now, meaning you can revenue share and make money off your videos. Now pretty, they pretty much opened the doors to anybody. Uh, before you had to have a very uh, strict viewer monthly uh consistent viewership and all that to get in. I actually got denied my first time, uh, reapplied later again in the year, and I was like, whoa. And then a after that, I noticed that the, uh, my subscriber base started growing a lot quicker than it had prior to, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So, you know, when I hit 100,000 subscribers and it just kept growing, um, my summer months are usually the best for views because I have a lot of a younger audience and kids are off school, people are, you know, on vacation and whatever, so... It, you know, I'd say around 2012, 2013, it just like it blew up, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> and with that aspect of YouTube opening up its doors, so to speak, um, to everybody, and everybody nowadays, as it was a few years ago and a few years prior to that, when fewer and fewer people back then had less cameras, now everybody has a camera some way, somehow, and the capability to upload to YouTube. Yeah. Um, how does that affect you as a YouTuber, or do you welcome the competition saying, hey, Hey, come on, let's see what you got. I'm, I welcome it. You know, I actually have, there are some other YouTubers that have, you know, I guess been inspired by me maybe that have branched out and done arcade and claw channels, and, and I'm all for them, really. I, I think it's it's more of, like I've said in my Draw My Life video, it's more about community and less about competition, you know, because we can all share. They ha they can go and play different machines that I can't access and, and vice versa. So I, I welcome it, and I'm glad. You know, I think it's, I think my niche is kind of like a refreshing little uh, niche slash genre for YouTube, you know, and I think it's it's with, with the word of um, YouTube Red coming out, their subscribable yeah, yeah. service, um, I've been hearing different things about YouTube Red in reference to what it is. How does that affect you in a way, or do you know? I have since it's so new, I haven't noticed anything. But the the past couple of days of my analytics, I haven't noticed anything drastic or different in my earnings or viewership or what have you. But I think a lot of people, a lot of the YouTubers, were worried about it. I'm 
I was at first, but after reading about more about truly what it is, it's really not going to impact you. And YouTube is is still all about uh, people cre or, uh, supporting the creators that they enjoy, you know, even with the paid service with no ads. So we're they're still working it in how we are able to get compensated if somebody is on YouTube Red and. and instead of the typical ad way so I'm not at all worried I mean I, I think it's you know it's only going to help us in the long run for people that don't want to watch the ads you know they, they subscribe and we'll, but we'll still get uh, your fair your, share, your of share. The, yeah um because you're the first YouTuber I'm able to have a sit down our show has been able to have a sit down with and talk with no, no. Um, I was wondering is because I've noticed as an up and coming podcaster uh, I've noticed that there are still people in the, I won't say not so much the podcasting, YouTubing industry, but when I say, hey, I'm so-and-so representing this podcast, I get that stigmata of, oh, really? Like, I just wipe my hand, you know, with, you know, toilet, without toilet paper, and it's like, oh, dear God, as a YouTuber, have you seen that same type of reaction, or is uh, it something different? No, not that I know of. Like, like for me, personally, I welcome anybody. I don't, I don't care how many followers they have, big, small, whatever. I'm, I'm all for anybody trying to get into the internet world, is whether they do it, want to do it as a hobby, or do it full-time, like I do. Uh, I welcome it all. I really uh, do. Me, personally, as a podcast, I see my... Our, the YouTuber community, like yourself, mm -hmm. as um, the internet TV equivalent to what I do in reference to radio. I am radio on demand. You guys are TV on demand right, exactly. uh, in bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Even though I, they can listen to me anywhere I, they're driving, you they could watch you in the office. They could watch you at home on the console or wherever it's still TV an alternate version of TV do you see that as a YouTuber yeah definitely and it, it's really interesting how it's it's evolved you know I I myself personally don't even watch TV anymore like I watch Netflix it's on demand I have Netflix uh, and, and YouTube that's it you know I think I think we're, we live in a society today you know not necessarily a bad thing but it, people want stuff now they don't want to wait for you know their show to come on at eight o'clock or whatever or you know like and people like the fact that they could just hop on YouTube and, and watch videos for a minute or an hour or all day you know now, now I was speaking with you as you were kind of mentioning it and it's almost like YouTube's the I don't you're still to me you're young um, it's the public access it's the modern day public access channel. Yeah, it's it's, a good it's way that to look it, at it. even though some um, locations still have public access where you pay a fee. Right. In this case, YouTube's paying you as you grow. Right, exactly. Uh, so it is public access, mm -hmm. you know. But people are with YouTubers such as yourself, PewDiePie, Matt Pack, and the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. You guys are just riding that wave, saying, "Hey, we're we're enjoying this. Come in, like you said, come in, enjoy the ride." Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. Like I take it day by day. You know, this is all kind of like a by accident thing. I'm, I mean, I went to uh, college for media arts, TV, video, so it kind of ties in with what I'm doing, like with YouTube and making videos and all that. And it does help with editing and and what have you. But you know, had I been doing this, I probably would be doing like something with movie work or TV or something, uh, but this kind of took off, and, and like you said, I'm just kind of 
enjoying the ride. Me, as a podcast, I have to, you know, I didn't have that class as media learning to edit and all that. Do you find yourself, like I, I'm learning now, having to learn a lot of things on the fly doing this? Well, I will say this. I mean, I love the school that I went to, but I personally... I knew about 80% of the stuff before I went there. A lot of the stuff I self-taught, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can go on YouTube and learn anything these days or just type it in in Google and it'll tell you how to do it, you know. Um, but, I, it's, it, you know, it does help to be familiar with the, the editing niche, you know. It does make it easier. I know with the recording software, each software has its own nuances. Mm-hmm. And I've been finding that with what I have to do, it's all right now. Go do it, son of a bitch. Now I got to learn this. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah. And well, that's the thing. You know, technology is always evolving, and that's that's the one thing about that I think that college didn't focus on enough was the technology aspect, as to where we weren't learning. You know the ins and outs of how the cameras work and stuff like that and right when I was there we had we still had the old CRT uh, like for previews in the in the uh, the video studio you know they were old clunky CRT could very fuzzy you know monitors they upgraded of course after I left uh, to LCD and everything was all fancy but yeah I mean the technology is always changing and you have to be on top of it otherwise you know you you're just going to have to, it's like relearning a whole new thing. Yeah, it, with the whole aspect that you could do either a lot of stuff that both of us can do online, it's now easier, more readily available that more people are able to do it. Do you see that something like YouTube having a, um, a bubble and it bursting anytime soon? I'm not, not quite Meaning, sure like, uh, back in the early part of the 2000s, there was that internet bu- bubble, so to speak, that everybody and their uncle had something to sell, had their own yeah. .com, and by 2002, it kind of went pop, and it, everything just, only a few sites like YouTube, Google, yeah. uh, Yahoo, and, and Amazon, and eBay kind of just were strong enough to survive. Do you right. see that with, now with the YouTube market? No, I, I mean, I think it's kind of like a different market with with in regards to because it is video related i think it's kind of just like i look at it as like a next wave of you know radio tv and then now you have internet internet video so i i really don't see and youtube is still very young i mean it's it's about what 10 years and and that it might seem like a long time but you know in in reality of things it's actually still very very young do you see meaning um do you see it lasting that bubble lasting a little bit longer because a lot of people now are cutting their cable and dish cord and they're going towards sites like youtube hulu net Netflix and so forth and so on for that media intake. Yeah, I uh, I think it's a good thing, um, you know, because like I said before, people are shifting towards that on demand, they want it now type thing. And quite frankly, a lot of people, including myself, are just tired of paying the outrageous cable fees. You know, you have to get to pay this to just to get this one channel that you like. You know, people, you can't just order channel by channel, unfortunately. Which you can uh, get with Netflix and who Right. Granted, There's you have to make certain shows, shows you yeah. have to season pass right. but but even still... even if you subscribe to literally all of them YouTube Red now uh, Netflix Hulu all the other you know video sites you could uh, Amazon uh, Prime has
has their own free video thing as well. Uh, it's still probably cheaper than cable, and you're still going to get a lot more. You know, even some stuff that might not on be or be on cable at all might be available on one of those sites. I know my co-host. The only thing he he clipped his cord. He said the only thing he misses is like ESPN. Mm. He said, but because he's a big Caps fan, all he has to do is open up his phone. Go to the Caps app and listen to their broadcasts, yeah. their radio broadcast over his phone. Yeah. So it it's there's always that additional option. And he said what I couldn't watch on TV with a Caps game, I can still listen to it because they're always broadcasting it over the app. Right. So again, do you find? I should let me rephrase this. What's your main demographic graphic for your channel? Is it all ages or mostly the younger kids? Well, I do have a lot of younger kids, but what's interesting is I do have a lot of older folks as well, or people my age and even older. Uh, like the claw machine and arcade niche is something that like literally everybody can enjoy because you see people playing the claw game. They they could be three ninety three. You know, it's such a simple game that it that it grasps literally everybody, and. What's interesting is I, I do like just some meetups and stuff with some of my viewers and whatnot, and I've had fans that were you know three years old all the way from fans to, to my age or even older, and it's interesting to meet the older fans too because it's like wow you know you think oh just little kids like these games. I know whatever. some of the stuff that's on your table is like Dave and Buster's and yeah, so forth yeah. and so. Uh, have you seen even though our the local mall here? has a arcade in it. Do you see that arcade? Ex, ex, I'm talking Dave, I'm excluding Dave and Buster's, nothing against places like them. Right. I, are you seeing the arcade kind of, even though it was for a while it was kind of disappearing, do you still see it disappearing or is it making a comeback? Well, I'd like to say that I, I hope that I'm a reason to maybe help make it come back, partially. Uh, with my videos, I hope that it's getting people interested again in the whole thing and like kind of re uh, resurgence, re-energizing so. their their love for you know and passion for arcade games. This is a bit collectible, like toys and whatnot. And a lot of people that grow older want their their toys that they had in the 70s and the 80s and whatnot. So I, I'm hoping I'm I'm doing the same for the arcade uh, genre that that people you know get interested again and want to visit their local arcades and you know pop a few quarters in the claw game and and whatever. But do you find that the fact that something like the claw game, uh, the whole aspect of the uh, ski ball. It, it, I had one friend that said, "Ski ball? That's American. You can't play if you haven't played ski ball. You're un American." Uh, <laughs> uh, have you seen? Do you play ski ball, or is it part of the I, what you? Ten, or it's a little it. bit of, I'm not very good at it, but I've played. Who isn't? <laughs> Who is good at it? <laughs> there but, are some people that are really. In fact, my one friend, his name's Mike, and I, he's a friend back where I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, I meet up with him at Dave and Buster's sometimes, and. Um, He's really good, like, he has that uh, muscle memory hand-eye coordination where he's more good at, like, the physical games, like the football throwing game yeah. and the ski ball where he can pop it in at 10,000 almost, like, every time. So, so he could have that, he knows how to put the English on the ball. Exactly, he, yeah. So there are definitely people out there like that that, can, that are good at those. Like that one YouTuber, all he's doing was one hand and every one is just sinking. Exactly, in. yep. I bet even something like that, you're like, son of a bitch, how the frick is he doing that shit? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I, I was surprised, you know, because, like I said, I'm not very hand-eye, but I was never really good in sports. So. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing. Some people have it, and they just, you know, he's really good. Like, the football, I mean, he's his hand-eye coordination is amazing. Like, he can 
get that football and that little target. You know, it's a really hard arcade game for the average person, but he nails it like it's nothing. Um, for those who don't might not have not seen, I'll put a link to your channel sure, in our show, show's description. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who are know about the claw machines and so forth, because they're everywhere from Buffalo Wild Wings all, yeah. to malls to some stores, uh, what's the common misconceptions that a lot of people have well, about the, those that's, machines? That's a really good question, actually. Uh, and the common misconception is that they're all rigged, and that's not true. Um, Vox.com did a had a really viral video and article, and they used some of my footage. And in my one video on my channel, I'm, I'm thrilled they did. I'm stupid, but they what they focus on was only the negative side of the claw game. Um, they focus on the newer machines, which, as technology evolves, they have microprocessors and whatnot, so they can have it so the claw adjusts the voltage without the operator being there. So it'll pay out a prize only maybe 1 in 20 or 1 in 30 plays and whatnot. But the fact of the matter is uh, there are still a plenty of machines out there that are older, meaning older meaning like pre-1990s, uh, that are skill-based, whereas they just have uh, one little, whether it be like a little potentiometer inside that you turn to adjust the voltage or... Um, just a little box that sets the uh, percentage of the claw strength. Once the owner sets that, they can't change that, so it's a constant strength. So if something, if it's a constant strength, it's a skill-based game, whereas, whereas it's not just luck, you know. So there is some, there is a lot of skill involved, actually, and I've, I've proved that time and time again on my videos where somewhere I've won 20, 30 prizes in one video. Uh, I know I heard reports in reference to the old school, put a coin in, Put a quarter. It's the plow-based games that some of them had alarms attached to it, and um, the stories. I'll I'll drop the podcast. It's from the Nerdist. He said he went to one arcade where they had that, and instead of pushing out tickets, you actually got quarters. All the machines had. Oh yeah, the quarter. The, the quarter, quarter pushers. Yeah. Yeah, and all the machines had alarms attached which means if you bumped it right. an alarm went off saying somebody's trying to cheat the machine yeah. and they found out one machine didn't have the alarm was broken <laughs> so they managed to constantly he said it was like him and maybe three other people yeah. knew that machine did not have an alarm attached to it <laughs> so they would hit that machine up and spend all day in the arcade wow. <laughs> but um, but speaking of cheating did yeah. our are some of the myths amongst the claw-based or the skill-based machines that the cheating is there, or is there something else behind it? Is that a myth or what? It's it's well the the cheating or as I like to call the like the newer machines rigged. Yeah. Uh, that they 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 are rigged some of them and, and unfortunately. Oh, they, but what am I talking about? Is is the player able to cheat the machine so they uh, can get a better? chance at winning a prize no but there's there's different strategies and I do uh, divulge them on my channel that that's a lot of people probably wouldn't think to do something as simple as looking to the side of the machine and what I like to call using your angles when going for a prize because it is a 3d game a lot of people when I watch them they just play it straight on and they're going for a prize and you might look like you're lined up horizontally but if you turn to the side you might realize oh my gosh I'm too far forward or I'm I'm too far you know back you know more than I thought I was so you know just something as simple as that um, there was a technique in, in one machine where uh, 
the, the company stacks the plush stadium style, meaning uh, low in the front and high in the back. Well, me, and I don't know how many other people would think to do this, would maneuver the claw behind the plush in the back and pull the claw forward, just not dropping the claw, but just pulling it forward and kind of raking in all that plush, and they would just tumble in the prize chute. And I have several videos on my channel where I do that as well. So that's... It's not it's not cheating, but it's a it's a strategy that I think maybe your average person wouldn't think to do. I guess is what I'm trying to okay. get at. Um, I'm gonna. We have a lot of great. It's been a great interview. I want to see if, as soon as other people show up, get them as well. It's been great speaking with you. Yeah, uh, um, I'll put a link to your channel in our show no, show description. And once our this episode drops, mm -hmm. I'll some way I'll probably through YouTube, our YouTube channel. I'll give you my card um, if you want to. Okay, I'll send it to me. I'll reshare this with. No, no problem, no problem. And that way. Hopefully, through us, you'll get at least a few more. I don't yeah, know how many. Likewise. Uh, either way, cross promotion is always yeah. great. Again, thank you. Nice oh, meeting with you. Pleasure. I'll probably see you around. I'll be here. Welcome back, Goombas. It's me again. Just wanted to let you know that was Matt McGone. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. Next up is the legendary actor, sci-fi actor. That's S-C-I-F-I. Sci-fi uh, sci actor. Conrad Brooks, you, some of you film buffs might remember him in the original Plan 9 from Outer Space, the Edward classic. Uh, he's been in a lot of movies, and the only thing he asks you, the fans, is to write him. Uh, I think he might have a Facebook page that is run by his daughter. I think he told me that once before, but I don't know if that's still up, so don't hold me to that, fans. Um, but... What he does ask is um, send him a letter. He does give his P.O. box in the interview, so jot that down. You could send him some fan mail. Um, he looked so lonely at this show, uh, but uh, he also said if you send him some money, like $20, something like that, he'll send you something signed or what have you. Just let him know or just email, uh, write to him and converse back and forth. Uh, well, he, what more can I say? Uh, he'll let, I'll let him do the talking for him. Uh, here we go. Hey, folks, uh, I'm back. I'm here with Mr. Oh, Conrad Brooks, the guy who did quite a few bad films in Hollywood. And also, I'm working on some good ones. And um, you, you, what movie are you best known for? What, uh, the Edwards movie Plan 9? Yeah, I did a film called Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is con considered the worst film of all times. But now, people love it. It's famous now. It grows into millions of dollars. It's a low-budget film. We made the film back in 1956. Ed Wood directed it. And... Um, and now it's it's a, they, Walt Disney, Tim Burton, produced a film called Ed Wood, starring Johnny Depp. I'm in the film also. Martin Landau, who played Bella Lugosi, in the film as well. So um, it's a great little film, and uh, Martin Landau won the Academy Award for playing Bella Lugosi in the Ed Wood Ed Wood film. Was Tim Burton directed it and put out by Walt Disney. It's a great little film. It is based on Ed Wood, who did Plan 9 from Outer Space. 
Um, not only have you known for acting movies, a lot of Ed Wooden movies, yes. you've done a lot of movies yourself. What have you done? Oh, I've done over 200 films in Hollywood. Now, of course, with Ed Wood, I did Sinister Urge, uh, Bride of the Monster, and uh, what else did I do? <laughs> you know, I'm 85, you forget certain things. Uh, Glen O'Glenda, my first film with Ed Wood, 1952. And uh, great stuff, great stuff. I've been in Hollywood for 55 years. I'm living here in West Virginia now. And I'm producing my own films here now. And it's, I'm producing uh, independent films. And um, uh, you can contact me, uh, my P.O. Box, okay, with the P.O. Box? Yeah. Uh, 264 Inwood, West Virginia. And the zip code two fifty four twenty eight. And contact me, uh, send me a money order, or or personal check will be fine. And uh, and I've made these films, uh, the uh, any of the films I've I appeared in, uh, 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 Misfit Patrol. Um, uh, Little All Sea Serpent for other motion picture directors, um, but actually uh, you can contact me. Be good, good to hear from you. And um, let's see what else. What else we got to talk about? Um, it's with early with, in the morning now. I'm, 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 <laughs> uh, do you see with a lot of the independent filmmakers again, like yourself? Do you see that being a resurgence nowadays? With um, well, lo- yeah, I tell you, yeah, why not? I mean, if you're interested in doing something, do it. You know, you know, bad or good, you know, do it. If it's in your heart to do it, do it. You know. So you encourage a lot of the younger artists. Uh, why not? Of- why not? If you're capable and got a couple of bucks, do it. Hey, enjoy it. You know that's the important thing. You know, uh, if if he was alive today, do you see would Ed would be considered an indie filmmaker or still? Well, probably. Yeah, more or less, I would think so. You know, today it's a lot of independent stuff being shot today. Years ago, Paramount, Monogram, Warner Brothers. Uh, they were they would produce the films and release it through their companies. And now a lot of films are being made, like you say, independent stuff and being released by other distributors. You know, I don't recall who. You know, you know. I occasionally do work in films. You know, my age. You know, have you got a job for me? Look me up. Write me a letter. Do you find it's easier for an independent maker to make a movie now than it has been well, a couple of years ago? It, it, if you, well, I won't say easy. Nothing's easy, you know. But the only thing is make sure you you got a decent script. That's the most important thing. Have a decent script and trying to get some actors with a name, you know, if you can afford it, you know, or work a deal out with them, you know. So um, you've been to uh, a lot of. I noticed that you have a Chiller Theater badge on you right now. Oh yeah, yeah. the Chiller um, and, and the Chiller in New York, actually New Jersey. Um, and, and I did the uh, Monster Bash in Pittsburgh re- just recently, and I did the one in Baltimore, uh, Hunt Valley. Where we did the show. Uh, it's called. Uh, Was it horrifying, or is it under a different name now? Um, Oh, let me think. <laughs> let me think. You, you caught me off guard early in the morning, kid. Um, Mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic? Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, do you have fun going to these shows? And Yeah, I meet the fans. People remember me from watching these movies I'm in. Yeah, it's always nice to meet people that remember you, you know. It brings back a lot of good memories, you know. So, um... What else can I ask? A legend of whatever you, whatever you want to ask me, kid. Um, what are you, some of your memories working in the film industry way back in the early days? Oh, just about everything, you know. But the memory, I got a good memory. Um, is there anything you could sh uh, share with us in regards to those? Like what? Give me an example. Um, oh, whatever you wish. You're, uh, it, you're, you're a fan. What, what do you want to know? Um, you're representing your company. All right, with um, Plan 9, because that's the most... Plan 9, yes, 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 um, yes. Well, actually, yeah, but of course I remember doing Plan 9. I was five days on the show, and I remember I only got 500 bucks. Now, 500 bucks, and that was big money in those days, because I remember my rent was only $35. My phone bill was $3. Um, you can buy a steak dinner for two ninety five, four ninety five. Nowadays, you buy a steak dinner; it's it's it, it's it's like a bone practically, and costs you forty, fifty dollars. You know, it's crazy. So the shooting uh, schedule for Plan Nine was only about five days. Five, five, five days shoot, yeah, low budget, yeah. Low so budget. as compared to like a thirty day shoot nowadays, or uh, yeah, well, thirty days, yeah, it costs you a lot of money now. So you got to remember, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ed Wood spent about, um, I could be wrong, you know. I never consulted him. I, you know, whether, I was just an actor. I didn't care yeah. what the picture cost, whether it cost uh, 30000 or 20000 I, I wasn't interested because I didn't have that kind of money to worry about. Um, I, I think he spent around twenty-five, twenty cheese, twenty-five thousand. Which by today would be about a hundred thousand dollar or more. More, yeah, yeah. I mean, now to shoot a third film, you know, uh, thirty-five millimeter, it's it, it, not cheap, you know. No. Yeah, everything now is. How do you speaking of going from actually thirty-five millimeter to digital? What do you? It's cheaper. Cheaper. I imagine it's cheaper. I don't know, you know. Who knows? You know. So, uh, I, pro I produce my films on video, you know. <coughs> um, we call it Gypsy Vampire. A vampire, I mean, um, Gypsy Vampire. Jen Gao, the beast from the east. That's, that's a great one. And, um... Well, we have a couple of things that we got to do in reference to the show. It's been great interviewing you. Are you going to leave me? Um, if you want me to hang out for a little while, I can come back. Yeah, come, come back. back. Well, I like you, Chris. I mean, I, thought, I like doing your show, man. Yeah, come back anytime, Chris. Okay. Uh, just yeah. in case I don't, uh, don't swing by. Hey, folks. Again, we're back. Uh, that was the legendary Conrad Brooks. I hope you enjoyed his interview. Next up is an interview. I believe he said his name was Jay. He was not, not Jay from the Skeleton Crew uh, and Comic Crypt. Uh, different Jay. This is Jay from the 501st, uh, who we had the pleasure of interviewing for a little while. Uh, but the thing is, we about midway, I won't say midway, I would like to say midway through our interview, we were cut off um, and asked to leave. But um, again, editor's note, see the episode entitled 
wondering where the reviews are uh, to see hear the full story of what happened. But either way, here's the interview with the 501st and the whole aspect of that. Hi guys, we're back again. This time we're with the 501st. I'm going to look at uh, so uh, Jay. Yes. Uh, he's with the f 501st Legion, Vader's Fist. We are a international costuming organization that is sanctioned by Lucasfilm and Disney. Uh, all of our costumes are screen accurate, so basically everything you see our members wearing is screen accurate. We have very high standards. Our sister organization, the Rebel Legion, does the well. They call themselves the good guys, but. Uh, you know, what can I say about that? Uh, what um, you guys were a part of, and now as of the prequels, canon. Uh, was that recently with the prequels, or were you considered canon prior to that with the expanded universe? The 501st members, uh, the it started in 1997, basically. Alvin Johnson was the founder of the 501st Legion. And that at that time, we were sanctioned and we were authorized by Lucasfilm at the time and now Disney. Um, it uh, We've always been canon. Now, the expanded universe, according to Disney, because they now own the rights to everything, is now non-canon. There are rare exceptions that are canon, but most of the expanded universe is non-canon now. So it's you can still use those costumes, but they're not going to be considered a canon costume. What is the... Uh, I know you explained what the 501st is, but um, you said from what I got out of the 501st through Facebook and Internet, you guys are a charitable organization. Is Can you tell us about what 501st does? Absolutely, absolutely. The 501st Legion is we're an international costuming group. We are not a charity ourselves, but we support other charity groups. Uh, we're, I believe, in over 47 countries across the world. We have over 7,000 members worldwide. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, last year our total amount raised for different charities was right around 14 million. Don't quote me specifically on that. I'm just trying to pull that out of my mind real quick. But uh, we do charity work for charities. Um, we don't usually do social gatherings. Uh, for Like if you're having a birthday party, we're probably not going to be able to show up to your, your birthday party in your home. But there are public functions that we come out to and help support other charities by bringing the Star Wars name and bringing our unique skill set to that. Like Make-A-Wish, for example. Exactly. Make a Wish Foundation is one of our major. Uh, we, we really support Make a Wish Foundation. Uh, there's, there's dozens of different charities. Each each kind of group within the 501st is broken up into garrisons. Those are the different areas. Um, each garrison kind of usually has their own little specialty or their own little the group that they specifically support. But for the most part, it's mostly children's charities we focus on. What does it take for someone to become a member of the 501st? Well, they've got to be a bad guy to begin with. It's just that's that's the given. No, all kidding aside, the 501st is our, we, our tagline is bad guys doing good. You have to have a an approvable uh, imperial costume. And to get more information on that, you can go to 501st501st.com and you can see under uh, the different detachments all the different kinds of costumes. You can do everything from clone troopers to stormtroopers to sand troopers to tie pilots to Jawas to Boba Fetts to all kinds of different organizations. Now, our sister organization, which are the Rebel Legion, they're always going to be the good guys. Mm, they're kind of boring. They have the Wookiees and the Jedi 
and all those goofy people. And then we also have another sister organization called the Mandalorian Mercs. They're going to be like the, the mercenaries, the Boba Fett kind of. Where Boba Fett's more mainstream 501st, there is the support organization of the Mandalorian Mercs. And they each group has their own requirements for membership and costuming. But for the 501st, you, there's a costume resource library you have to go through and it tells you specifically what your costume has to have and how it has to look to be approvable. Because uh, um, even though it's going to get a little bit off topic, what are you hoping for the new movie that's coming out in December? It's going to be good. That's all I... I just hope J.J. Abrams didn't mess it up. That's all I'm asking. Just don't mess it up. <laughs> uh, what do you think about some of the fan theories that are out there, ranging from that the new Jedi Sith is anywhere from Luke Skywalker to Jar Jar himself? <laughs> I don't know how we would get the ears in the helmet, but if it works, it works. Um, you know, everybody, that's the one thing about Star Wars. Um, having grown up in as part of that Star Wars generation when the originals were coming out and all that. And having lived lived through and experienced the, the expand, or excuse me, the, the prequels and, the, the, and all that. You know, everybody has their own opinion, but that's what's amazing about Star Wars, is it brings so many diverse people together into one, to, the fact that people are actually having conversations about this, that's what's amazing about it. So. My experience with the Star Wars fan base, uh, I consider myself more of a Star Wars fan base than a Star Trek fan base. Um, more fun, and where else can you have a fan base that makes droids and kegerators? You know? I, totally forgot, I totally forgot about the R2 Builders group. That's another one of our sister organizations I totally forgot about. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, R2 Builders group, yeah, they're, that's another amazing group, and uh, if you ever get a chance to go see any of their work or go on... They, the were, they were at Awesome Con this past okay. year and um, got to see they had a working R2, and I guess the, uh, someone in the C-3PO unit it seemed like somebody, but it seemed very uncomfortable. So having having worked with a a, a true C three PO, it is not an easy costume. Let's just say that it's you are literally bolted into the costume, and uh, it's there's a few people I know, or there's one person that I know that does it. As soon as he gets in that costume, he is C three PO. It is amazing the transformation that takes place. Like I said, uh, the, the Star Wars fan base is more fun and easy going. Um, the reason why I said is when the um, prequels came out, I this was before the midnight releases and the three day before releases, um, went to see the here at the local, I don't know if it went to Regal at the time, it was might, might have been Hoyt's still, uh, seeing first show, first day, and no sooner than the infamous scroll come up, not scroll, but long ago, and for somebody in the, it was definitely a fan. What? What do you mean this ain't Star Wars? And it's... you. And that's it, Goombas. Uh, sorry it was cut off right there. Uh, we had, there was a few, maybe about another minute or so of recording, uh, but at that point where it was cut off is when the promoter's assistant, I believe that's who she was, came over and start kind of again i'm not going to go here see the episode entitled uh wondering whether reviews are which is maybe about two episodes back but um for but for now uh if you want to email us or anything like that please email us at longcoatmafia at gmail.com we are available on itunes and on stitcher radio for now uh, we are awaiting a response on 
Again, we hinted at it on, on that our hostful episode. Uh, we're waiting on Google. I'm going to say it now. Google Play is going to be having our podcast on their services when they launch that. So for right now, if you want to email us, it's at longcoatmafia at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. Like us. Don't like us. Just review us. And either way, we'll be on a good list. Uh, if also we are found at our if you're listening through iTunes or Twitter or something like that, we are found at the website thelongcoatmafia.podbean.com. Uh, we are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is longcoatmafia. We are we are on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is Longcoat Mafia. We are on YouTube, but uh, I'm not sure where our username. I think it's that also is Longcoat Mafia. But for right now, if you have any issues with this episode, please email us, so forth and so on, and we'll be happy to email you back. If we get a lot of emails in, we'll create a special episode. Just for those um, emails and stay tuned in the cup next couple of weeks and next year we'll have a brand new intro just for the hostfuls and a lot of goodies next year a lot of goodies next year um, all for you all coming up loads of stuff great stuff in the works and for right now guess what I'm out see you next time it's a long come off your podcast you're listening to the Long Coat Mafia. Capish. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this anniversary bonus episode. Looking back to the second event that we covered. So uh, again, uh, I don't remember what happened all that well. I tried to uh, fill you guys in at the beginning of the episode. I hope I explained it in the. Uh, the main part of the episode, but either way, <laughs> stay tuned for our hostful episode, which should be posted up in the next day or two, and uh, our second anniversary episode later this week. And also, don't forget, we still have that crowdfunder going on if you're willing to do that. Again, I said if you're willing to do that, plus, we have our kind of our partner, sponsor, slash partner type of ordeal, Dubby Energy Drink. Again, it's Dubby, D-U-B-B-Y. And their website is D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. Link will be down below in the description. So if you want to support us that way, get some energy drinks to help you during your day, game, or what have you, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, Support us that way. All the links are down below. If you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, Hey, our email is longcoatmafia. Our email is longcoatmafia at gmail.com. Leave a comment in where there's ability to leave a comment. You're happy to do so. Share everything if you can. Uh, help us, helping us. If you want to help us and you don't can't afford to do so, uh, you're more than well. I understand, and you're more than willing to help us by liking, sharing, or subscribe and or subscribing to us. And listening or, and watching also helps us in the long run. So, uh, <laughs> please, do so. Keep listening. Stay tuned to the main episode. And stay tuned to that second uh, anniversary episode later this week.
I am out of here. You've been listening to the Long Coat Mafia Podcast, the Internet's most hated and mafia-themed geek podcast. 